Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and to be glad in it. For the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord. And when we enter into many and diverse trials, we count it all joy, knowing that you are perfecting our character, Lord. None of these things uh, surpass or overwhelm us. But in all things, we give thanks, Lord, knowing that you are working out a glorious, uh, forging a character that is fit for eternity. And so we pray this morning that your word would be a lamp unto our feet. <clears throat> Reveal to us your heart. Show us your desire. Speak to your people. Bring us to the place of understanding in matters concerning day after day until the last day. That we might be faithful to you. That we might hold fast to what is true. That we might be faithful with the things that you have entrusted to our care. So, Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a light unto our path, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit. Thank you for always keeping us in your love. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you have done. And so, Father, we, pr we pray that your word not return void, <clears throat> that it would accomplish that which you send it out to accomplish. Father, that we would be your people in this time, manifesting your character, your disposition, so that we can be a blessing to all the families of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. <clears throat> Last week, um, you know, we've been running a series of of, um, of teachings and, and hearing the word of God. We heard about a twisted and warped worship and then Artie Kendall came two weeks ago and he taught about genuine worship. Well, what an honor to be surrounded by patriarchs of the faith that open their hearts towards this house. He wrote me this week, yesterday, and he said, thank you for being a blessing to our lives, a refreshing and he reminded us that, that that preaching, genuine worship, was a special word of God through the man of God to our house. And so we're attentive to what these men speak in our lives. They've been serving the Lord. Uh, he's 75 years old. Um, actually, he's, he's my father's age. He's 83. And he's advanced in faithfulness to the word of God. And so he is respected all over the world. Then last week, the Lord spoke to us about taking our last stand in a day of darkness. And you say, Pastor, what does that mean, a last stand? Well, we read about how family is the heart of God. We, we read that in the last days, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, the Spirit expressly, clearly says... In the latter days, some will depart from the faith. And they're going to be departing from the faith, 
um, not because they're not interested, they're going to be deceived. And there's no greater deception than self-deception, where you think, yeah, yeah everything's fine. Uh, until you bring clarity and light and truth and you find out, wait a second, I don't have truth. I don't have the heart of God. Uh, doctrines of demons, uh, the teachings that the demon would have you learn. And um, verse 2, it says, through hypocritical deception, speaking lies and hiding the truth because your conscience is no longer sensitive. So this is what the Bible says in the last days. And he says, we're not of that kind. The next chapter, chapter 5, he says, verse 1, but you, when you're going to address someone, treat them as a father. Treat your younger men as brothers. And so you see the heart in the last days that is anti-Christ is also anti-family. Uh, the, the breaking of the bonds of a paternal order. And we talked last week about this. I'm not going to repeat last week's message, but standing, taking a last stand against darkness in the last days means that your family ties are stronger than the incredible expressions of spirituality that you might pursue. Um, being right with, verse 2 says, with your spiritual mom. Treat the older women as your moms, Clarita, Julieta, Yvette, uh, Francis, uh, Jenny. These are people who have served the Lord for over 30 years, and they owe, they, they, they are owed our honor, our, our concern as mothers. And then the sisters in the faith, um, treat the younger women as they were your sisters, Begin to give them that place in your life. But in the last days, the ones who abandon the faith have no semblance of family. They have no fathers. They have no mothers. They have no brothers, no sisters. They have an a spiritual experience that excludes family. And so we talked about the women's movement last week, the 1960s. Let's destroy the relationship with the patriarch. Let's destroy the traditional family. Let's... let's Let's fragment that which God has put together for our blessing and our prosperity. Uh, we, we, we talk about Psalm 68, verse 6 in this house always, that the plan of God is taking people who don't know family, and he puts them in family. So Psalm 68, verse 6 says, God puts the solitary in families. He puts you amongst families. It's a place of protection. It's a place of provision. We've seen all these films about the buffalo who is out there on his own being attacked. And he's only delivered when the family comes to deliver him. Uh, because when you're in family, it's like bringing you out from prison to prosperity. Being surrounded by family is a good place. But the rebellious, they don't do family very well. They will dwell in a dry land. Uh, the fruitfulness of the provisions of prosperity begin to dry up. And God has told us this in this house time and time again. So 
if we fast forward here uh, to the nature of these who don't do family, we see them in Job chapter 1 verse 6, um, the nature of Satan that didn't keep his place in the family of God in heaven. And now when he comes before the presence of the Lord, um, Satan comes in with them uh, and they're there in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord, verse 7, asks Satan, where do you come from? And you're going to see his response. The Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? He wasn't, he wasn't where God wanted him to be or else God wouldn't ask him, where do you come from? He wasn't attentive to God. So Satan answered and said, I'm just wandering. I'm going from here to there, walking back and forth throughout the earth. I want to, I want to tell you what the nature of Satan is. I do what I want, when I want, where I want, with whom I want. He has no accountability. And, and that is the nature of the last days. We're seeing it <clears throat> in Antifa. We are going against every established order. We're not going to conform to any government. We won't do family. We won't do church. We won't do government. We're not going to walk in those, in those cords in, in, in what they consider a terrible existence. If you go with me to Psalm 2, the Bible depicts the character of, of rebels in a manner which is consistent with the devil doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, without any uh, accountability, without any... Um, he says, why do the nations rage? Why, why are people all over the place and the people are always coming up with temporary things. Verse 2, the kings of the earth, the ones who govern, set themselves against. The rulers take counsel against the Lord and against the people he has anointed in places. The first time we started traveling the nations, we would always go to the leaders of these nations and say you're the person that God has put in responsibility here we want to speak to you to see if what God has called us to do is in line with what he's anointed you to do and we would not minister in places that were not um, covered by those people who were get anointed in that place to govern so verse 3 it says that they say let us break the bonds in pieces and let's cast away the cords from us. Let nothing restrain us in government. Let nothing be able to limit our progression. And, and what's it say that God says when they're planning to break the cords and the bonds of the established government of God? This is family, this is church. This is marriage. Verse 4 says that God sits there and laughs. He sits in the heaven and laughs. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Now you should look up that word derision, but it's the penalty of loss. The Lord will see them come to nothing. They will be diminished. And so 
verse 5 says, Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And the psalmist says, verse 6, Yet I have set my king on the hill, on Zion. There's order. There's, there's the kingdom of God. There's government. Verse 7, I'm not destroying the cords that God has established. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you. So you see that God is putting together family. And in family, verse 8 says, you can ask whatever you want. You ask for the nations. And I'll give you the ends of the earth for your possession. There is no lack of want. So in that regards, we are walking in that order. We want to see God manifest in our day and in our age. Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, because I want you to know that the Bible is the most consistent expression of this world's reality. And the Bible says that the time is coming when the lawless one, again, we're, we're seeing the expression of those that walk without God, they have no parameters. They keep no order. They're part of no church. They're not part of a family. They, they consider it an awful thing to be in a marriage relationship. Why, why can I uh, be unfaithful to my wife? Why can't I leave with another woman? Why can I betray uh, the family order? Why can I walk against government? Why can I not trample the authorities that be? And so the lawless one, he's going to come. And you guys know that, that there's going to be an expression of a person that does not keep God's ways of life. And, and this is what Christianity is about I want to be more and more like Jesus. I, I want my character to line up with that, that, that familiar saying, what would Jesus do? How would he proceed? Because the lawless one is coming and he will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So you know that the kingdom of God suffers violence you know that there's a clash between righteousness and unrighteousness, between light and darkness, between truth and lies. And so all this to say that when this lawless one comes, that the Lord will eventually destroy because he's on the wrong side of history. Verse 9 says that he's going to come with all manner of signs and wonders. He's going to come like the devil works. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. And what are these expressions? What is the manifestation that causes people to follow the lawless one? All manner of power, signs, and lying wonders. So if you're not moving in the obedience of the word of God... If you don't have the character of Christ in the last days, you don't belong to him. You're, you're looking for something other than truth. And we're going to see this right now. Verse 10, the Bible says, with every wicked deception, 
with every unrighteous engaño, which is uh, he's, he's, he's trying to deceive amongst those who perish. Why are they moving in this direction? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. It's when you know what truth is and you embrace it that you are saved. It's not the supernatural. Oh, pastor, I saw a vision. I saw a dream. I saw uh, there was, there's a miracle, signs and wonders. And the Lord says, no, there's truth. And if you love truth, you are saved. If you embrace truth, you are saved. Not if you have a spiritual experience. Uh, we had uh, friends of ours that are witches and warlocks. And, and I was up in, in my honeymoon. We went up to Massachusetts, to Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, the area up there is known for witches. And I go into a witch store because I wanted to ask a witch, why did you become a witch? And she was a girl. She was a 30-year-old girl. And she says, I grew up in a Christian church and there was no miracles. There was no powers of signs and wonders and I wanted to see the supernatural. And so she converted from Christianity over into, um, what's the, the, the religion of witches? Wicca. The, the religion of Wicca looking for an experience looking for a sentiment. The Bible says these people are sensual. They don't live based on truth. They live based on feeling. Well, I felt. Well, I heard. Uh, well, I believed. And, and the, there's no truth behind what they're feeling, hearing, believing. It's not consistent with the word of God. And the Bible says that he will come with all manner of unrighteousness and those who follow will perish because they did not receive the love for the truth. They, they can't even see truth embodied. And truth embodied is Jesus Christ himself. And that is what brings salvation. Verse 11, it tells us that for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. You don't want what God is doing. You don't want to see the fruit of the work of his spirit then God will give you up to a lie. He's going to send you a strong delusion so that you believe what is not true. You're, you're pursuing something other than what God delivers. And so since you're not settled in the love of truth, God will send you to believe the lie. In verse 12, it says, in order that judgment will come, you'll be responsible who do not believe the truth. We, we've been pursuing for 37 years to find out what is the expression of who Jesus is. And, and we come from a vast number of <clears throat> religious strains of religiosity and, and powerful moves of the Spirit of God that had nothing to do with an a, a, a incredible marriage, an incredible family, incredible obedience, <clears throat> submission, authority, humility, all the character attributes of Christ because um, the devil will have you move in a direction of glory like he did with Jesus in Matthew 4. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you bow down, if you move in my direction. And he says, no, thank you. I'm, I'm satisfied with the Lord's portion in my life. But 
they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in doing things unrighteously. So I, I remember talking to several people in the Santeria religion and the first rituals to become a Santero is to go into a flea market, a grocery store and steal from the produce section. So how is it that you're becoming a santo and the dictates of that ritual is to steal? So you're telling me that you have to become a devil and, and, and do what the Bible says not to do? You have to become a thief to become a santo? And, and so that contradicts you had pleasure in unrighteousness. You walked like the devil walked. You lied, you cheated, you stole, and you said that you were being spiritual. You said that you were being godly. You said that you were being sanctified in rituals and in traditions and ceremonies straight from the pit of hell because you were not established in truth. You did not receive the affirmation of godly men and women. You did not honor those that were, were living uh, for the cause of Christ. Verse 13 puts it even stronger when he says, but you... Always give thanks. Be grateful because wherever you're not being grateful and celebrating something, the devil's going to steal it from you. If you don't celebrate your wife, he steals it from you. You don't celebrate your children, he steals it from you. You don't celebrate your church, he steals it from you. Whatever you do not honor and celebrate, the devil takes. And he says, you abound in giving thanks to God always. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. The work of God is his work. It's a sanctifying work by the spirit and by believing the truth. You don't get closer to God by believing a lie. Uh, Paul tells the Galatians, you, you fool, who bewitched you? Why did you start believing the work of the Spirit of God and now you're trying to fulfill it in the desires or the lust of the flesh? You're not perfecting your work. God is perfecting you in His Spirit through sanctification. And so verse 14 reveals, um, verse 15, sorry. Therefore, brethren, stand firm and hold on. It doesn't say let go. It says hold on to that which you were taught. The words that were given to you and the lifestyle that we lived, hang on to that. Don't let go. Because in the last days, while everything is stirring in the pot, you want to stay the course. And what is staying the course? Holding on. Stand fast and hold to the teachings you have received. And, and we've said this for a long time here at Spring of Life. We could teach a person 20 years and teach them the way they should go and give them an example and give them a life and see the fruits of that life of peace, of joy, prosperity, fruitfulness, blessing. And all of a sudden, a total fool comes across them and they take off after a fool. We said that at that birthday party I went to when everybody started following the goat. I'm like, no, don't follow the goat. The sheep were following rebellious, disobedient, gypsy knuckleheads, people that don't love God, that, that are not walking according to 
testimony and fruit. He says, hold fast to these traditions. Um, don't let go to the things you were taught. And then he goes on to say, this is, again, Paul is talking about the last days, the day of lawlessness, the day where things are really corrupt. Um, sec- the next chapter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, talking about the lawless one who comes with signs and wonders and wickedness, and, and he deceives those who do not love the truth, those that do not embrace what they've been given. Verse 6 says, now we command you. Now this is Paul. He, he has given the church of Thessalonians a, a, a war, stern warning. I command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is I am speaking by the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords that you withdraw, that you put yourself away from every brother who walks out of order who's not walking in order and not according to the things which he has received from us if we're preparing men to change the world that's what we've been doing we've been uh, saying we don't want to be men after the character of the men of the last days we don't want to be selfish we don't want to be lovers of self lovers of pleasure sensual disobedient dishonoring greedy uh, hypocritical we don't want that we don't want men who the bible says you continue to teach them the truth but they never come to embrace it they, they don't want the heart of god they don't want to be men of god they don't want to be faithful to what's been given to them he says if you see anybody who's walking in a manner that's not in order with the things that we have taught you which are received from us. So again, you're going to give what you import. And if you're not exporting what was importing, you are out of order. You're, you, you, you have gone astray. Verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. What should a person that believes in Christ do? Imitate those who have taught them. How are you going to do something that totally contradicts everything you've been taught? We we are passed down the things that we were given, we give to you to keep on giving to your children. But you're going to give them something different. You're going to come up with your own ideas of what works. For you yourselves ought to know how you ought to follow us. Follow our footsteps. For we were not disorderly amongst you. We did not live a life that was not above reproach. I always remember the, the, the life of Elijah and Elijah where he followed him to the last moment of the glimpse he was taken up to the Lord. He said, my father, my father. He was following the man of God to the last opportunity and breath. So his life became twice as glorious as the man that he followed and honored. You yourselves ought to follow us. For we were not living lives that were not commendable amongst you. And so he keeps on saying in verse 14, take note of anyone who does not obey our instructions. Try and figure out who doesn't obey our word in the epistles. Note that person. Mark that person. Do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Listen, 
if, if a person decides, and, and it was years ago that a person decided, uh, Pastor, I'm not going to keep the level of honesty that you keep. I'm going to go and do something that betrays your honor. It's going to do something that is not how you would live. And so I called that man into my office. I said, let me ask you something. You have decided to call yourself my spiritual son, but you go across the street and you become a thief. How about if I tell everybody that you're a thief? Let's call it for what it is. You want to call yourself a spiritual godly son, but your actions betray your faithfulness and honesty. So I'm going to go tell that person across the street that you're not my spiritual son, that you're a thief and a liar. And you're doing things in darkness and not consistent with truth. You have trampled the legacy that you were given. So that's what the Bible is saying. When somebody is doing something that's not right, don't keep company with him so that he might be ashamed. What's ashamed? That what he's doing is not honorable. It, it brings no glory. It brings shame. And so the Bible says, don't keep company with him. Uh, it's, not, it's not a favorable thing. Verse 15, yet do not regard him as an enemy. Don't sit there and say, oh, you're going to, you're going to hell. Um, uh, acting like a rebel is not being a rebel. You, you, can, you can repent from acting like a rebel. If you're a rebel, you just keep on rebelling. So the Bible says, don't consider him an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Call his attention. And so, my friend, if all your brothers are calling your attention and you continue to say, I'm not listening, there's a serious expression of a hardening of heart. Don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a, as a brother. And so in these days, you see all manner of attacks and assault on the Christian way of life. And the devil is making every opportunity to come against the brethren, to be able to steal from us what God wants um, to join and, and come together in, in one same mind. If, if Philippians 2 doesn't speak to you, and Philippians 2 verse 1 says, hey, if it's true that you have found the Lord, if it's true that Christ has shown his love to you, if, if you really know the spirit of God coming together in fellowship of the brethren, if you have tasted any of the mercies of God, what is the mercy of God? Those of us that weren't a people, he made a people. Those of us that did not have family, he's given us a family. In verse 2 says, if, if Christ has done anything real in you, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That means thinking the same thing, having the same love, being of one accord. That means agreement. Agree. Come into agreement of one mind. If the Spirit of God is here with us, we have the mind of Christ. There's, there's, there's many that have been here and God has given us as a gift. Pastor Richie got saved in 1974. And he's been walking with the Lord faithfully and honorably. 
and leaving a legacy of great weight and responsibility over this house and over spiritual children. Um, we have uh, elders in the body of Christ. We have seasoned men and women who are not walking in their own last-minute revelation of who God is and how God speaks. But be of one mind. Verse 3. What's verse 3 says? Treating each other as if they were better than you. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition. Oh, Pastor, I have been called to a higher expression of my relationship with God that requires me to break off with all my Christian brothers and sisters and pastors and spiritual fathers. The Bible says, let not this be your mind. Instead, walk in a lowly mind, considering others better than yourself. You know, the, the, the nature of the last days, it, it comes down to this. And, and the, the sermon title today that I've put on this is a day-to-day to the last day. Day-to-day to the last day. I, I have pastor friends that says, you know something? I want a revelation that's not in the Bible. I, I want something that is deep. I want something that is extremely spiritual. I said, hey, time out. I want to love my brother, and I want to honor the men of God. See, see that great dryness of the spirit that you consider not spiritual? To honor a spiritual father and to love your brother? In fact, as I read the Bible, it tells me that that's just the call of God upon our lives. It's called the golden rule. It's found in the, in the gospel of Luke. This is the, uh, chapter 7, verse 12. This is the greatest expression of being right with God is um, to make sure that I'm not living. Let's go to chapter 12, verse 7. All right, here we go. We're going to find this. Because I, I have this verse. I want to be able to walk in a manner that blesses those if it were to be reciprocated. And so here it is. Matthew 7, verse 12. So I said that before. I said Luke. Okay, so here it is. I had said Luke 7, 12, but it's Matthew 7, 12. Whatever you want men to do to you. See, your spiritual expression cannot be, I am going to abandon, forsake, depart, and distance, and not have anything to do with anybody else. But when you get that expression back to you, then you're like, why are people treating me? Listen. You sowed a seed and now you reaped a harvest. If you didn't do unto others what you would have them do unto you, and why would we do this? For this is the law and the prophets. The entire expression of spirituality is to do to others like you want them to do to you. And, and how horrible it is, and we had that happen some years ago. Uh, a man was mistreating his wife awfully just real awful and and so one day she woke up and she started giving her husband back what he was doing to her and so they came to my office and I said to the man you have grabbed 
some stinky medicine and you give it to your wife, you constantly give your wife bitter content. And then the first time your wife says, guess what? That spoon goes back to you. You didn't like it very much, did you? Well, our expression towards others needs to be that which we want them to bring back. It's called the golden rule. And, and it came from Jesus who says, make sure that your expression of Christianity becomes a blessing to those that are around you. In other words, it, you owe it to God to walk in a good example. An example is what other people should do. And you cannot walk in a bad example and reap the honor of wisdom. Why? Because you have just strained the camel and swallowed uh, the gnat. You, you have stra you, you strained the gnat and swallowed the camel. You're, you're doing something that no Christian should ever do. And you're saying it's a sign of your spirituality. The expression of your intimacy with God. So that's what's happening in the last days. There are people that are walking in a manner that has nothing to do with God. Pastor, I'm going to do like Buddha. I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to leave my children. I'm going to leave my community and go to a high expression. A, a hill far away. Because there I'm going to be super spiritual. At what price? At what price are you saying that God told you to not do unto others as you would have them do unto you? At what price did God tell you to forsake and break the, and bring discord amongst the brethren? When I read the Bible, Psalm 133 verse 1 tells me something different. It says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in the same mindset, in unity. That's what my Bible says. It doesn't say I need to become spiritual, breaking off from the gathering of the saints. Verse 2 says, because it's there at that place that God sends an oil, a precious oil that will come from the head down to the edge of the garments. The full covering of the mercy of God is head of household, a father, the head of the church, a pastor. The head of government, a president. And you cannot say that you heard from God to go stand in a place where the oil does not run. Verse 3. It is there that the dew of heaven descends upon the mountains. And it is there that God commands blessing and life eternal. We're coming to some terrible times where people are twisting the word of God and they're holding themselves out in a posture of spirituality that has nothing to do with truth. The Bible tells us to avoid the company of these people. They're, they're, they're headed in a direction that is not the manner in which we should walk. I tell people all the time, they says, well, pastor, tell me what I'm supposed to do now. Look, what you're supposed to do is Romans chapter 8, verse 29, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Those he foreknew, way before they ever became saved and became Christians, he pre-appointed, predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. What does this mean? To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus in every expression. To be like Jesus in every thought. To be like Jesus in character of humility. The Bible says that he didn't grasp 
at being like God, but he took the form of a servant and he became obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. Because in that submission and obedience, God would raise him up to give him a name above every name, that at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. To be conformed to the image of Christ. Listen, that's going to be the bottom line of our faith. As we're seeing day to day until the last day is to be more and more like Jesus. To be more and more like God. And from the beginning, he had given us a mandate that we would follow in the expression of who he is with all due faithfulness. I, I, I have had a calling on my life for a long time. A calling to serve the Lord and to serve his people and to be faithful to give an example to believers. In every letter that I have received over the past 23 years as a pastor of this church, the number one thing people put on my cards when they, it's Pastor Appreciation Month or it's my birthday or it's Father's Day or something, they say, thank you for being a great example. Thank you for being an example. Thank you for holding the pattern. Thank you for staying the course. Thank you for taking the image of what the Bible says we're to conform into the image of his son. What does that mean? Be more and more like Jesus. It's not like the devil. The devil has an appearance of godliness. He goes around thinking that he knows more than God. He raises his throne above the throne of God. He usurps authority. He doesn't have any boundaries of obedience. Um, somebody says, Pastor, but I don't smoke or drink. And I said, you know something? The devil doesn't smoke or drink either. So you could be like a perfect devil when you start acting in his nature. When you, when you break the bonds of family, when you betray. Uh, a friend of mine came and says, I want to get a divorce. I said, listen, you're going to straight to the pit of hell. And he says, no, all the pastors are getting divorced. I go, listen, the pastors are not a standard that the Bible is your standard. Don't use pastors that break the Bible to, to accommodate your theology. You're not to do things that Jesus would not do. And as we read what Jesus told us to do, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, we are the children of God. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You imagine when Jesus comes that your life does not depict his character, that your ways are not the ways that he would have taken. He, he is such an incredible expression of a faithful son. He says, me and my father are one. I don't have an agenda that's outside of my father's agenda. I, I don't have, you know, I have three boys, and I, I praise God that none of them have said, hey, dad, I just had a thought of my own that has nothing to do with your thoughts. I just had an inspiration that has nothing to do with your joy. Because the Bible says that a, a wise son makes his father's heart glad. This is the disposition of those who walk like Jesus walked. He says that the voice of God was heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And so we see that throughout scripture, men that conform to the image of the son, Jesus, and men who conform to the image of Satan. Their disposition has nothing to do with being a faithful son. So here it is, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You heard me, Paul is telling Timothy, the things that you have heard from me. Timothy, I passed some things down to you that were treasure. They were holy things. They were special things. And many witnesses were able to see me pass down to you the things that you heard me speak about. So I charge you to the things I've given you Give to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Now, I don't know to go outside of what you've been entrusted. So God gives you something special. It's a treasure. Um, he says, in the manner of which I've passed down to you, you pass down to others that will pass down to others. That's, that's what you call faithfulness. That's what Jack Keane says that he received from Ed Cole. And what he received from Ed Cole, that's what he passed down to the next generation of faithful men. Who did what? Who passed down what they had received. The, the pattern that was given them. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Hold on to these sound words. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The things that are in Christ Jesus that you received, you're supposed to pass down to the next generation. And when you don't, my friend, you're headed for great scandal. You're headed for great distress because the devil distorts, the devil deceives. The Bible says in Jude chapter 3, I want to write to you about our common faith, but I have to tell you about some men who have entered in. This is Jude chapter 1 verse 3. I wanted to share about our common salvation. Jesus Christ came. He washed us our sins. He, he uh, forgave us. He saved us. He redeemed us. And I wanted to talk about that, but I find it necessary to warn you to fight, to contend, to wrestle earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. You've been given a manner of life in Christ and that is being taken away from us. How is it being taken away from us? Verse 4, because certain men have crept in and want to turn the grace of God they want to redefine God's goodness into sensuality. They want to say that there's no lordship. There's no authority of the Lord in Christ Jesus. And so, verse 5, he says, I want to remind you. I want to put in remembrance, although you once knew this. You had this before. Let me remind you. The Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Those who charted a different course. They had been saved out of the land of Egypt, but afterward 
were destroyed because they stopped believing truth. This is similar to verse 6, to the angels that left their place in heaven. He, he says, the description of these who don't believe are those who did not keep their proper domain. What's that mean? The relationships God had given them, the place where they were born, the house that they were given, the family. They, they left their abode and he reserved these angels in everlasting chains under darkness for a day of judgment on the great day. So the book of Jude comes to show you that the last days will be a days where people will not keep the course. They will stop believing. They will not hold on. They, they will walk in wickedness. They will, they will speak against dignitaries. This is, I was talking to Pastor Omar who's a police officer in Miami-Dade, and I said, you know something, in your police department, there's sergeants, there's lieutenants, there's captains, there's majors, and we have a major here in our church, and everyone who is a police officer defers the deference to the authorities in that institution. You don't have somebody come and say, hey, I just had a declaration, a special a special voice told me that from now on, I have no chief of police, I have no lieutenant, I have no captain, no sergeant, and pretty much I start calling the shots and saying what's going to happen in Dade County. So they start doing their militia, their little crude of vipers and serpents that have no authority. They don't walk in authority, they have no authority. And so they invite you to take a place amongst their company. And I say, you've been deceived. I said, you foolish one. How you did not love truth. How you did not honor what you have been given as treasure. And so the Bible says, it is these people, in verse 19, that cause a breaking away. They are sensual people. They're like, look, my hair stood on end. I feel this presence. I saw a vision. I saw a dream. They're sensual people. They don't keep to the word of God. They cause division because they have not the spirit. They're not acting like Jesus. They're not walking like Jesus. They don't hold to the testimony that we have given them of persevering in the faith. The Bible says that we're to keep ourselves, verse 21, in the love of God, waiting upon his mercy waiting upon Jesus to be revealed on that day. And while we're keeping ourselves in the love of God, verse 23 says, try to save some, pulling them out of the fire, not embracing the garments that defile the flesh, hating those garments that are stained by the flesh, all carnal pursuit. And desire. One of the things that the Lord has told me, and it's based on my testimony. My father, as a child, as I was a child, my father would, would walk into our family at least once a month and say that he was leaving. And he would tell my mom, I'm finished with this marriage. I'm finished with this family. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. So we lived like that for the first 15 years of my life. And it was hell on earth because abandonment and leaving are the nature of Satan. When Jesus comes into your life, 
Deuteronomy 31.6, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, because the Lord God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. See, that nature of God's embrace is a permanent one, and abandonment is the closest thing that we could come to experience the devil's sentiment of not valuing. As I was looking for a man of God yesterday to speak into my life, and, and I was asking, how do you repair relationships that have broken? And the man of God says, through honor. If you do not know how to honor, you do not know how to stay the course of unity. And so that's why God tells a husband to honor his wife so that separation is not a possibility. That's why the Bible says for us to honor a man of God who teaches the word of God with double honor. Take it to the highest expression of God's voice into your life so that you do not deteriorate and allow the relationship to become toxic where you no longer receive instruction. And the opposite of instruction is destruction. The Lord wants us to embrace his expression upon the earth. Hebrews 13, 5, where he says, I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. He himself has says, being disconnected, having the possibility of there being a brokenness in our fellowship is not my plans. It's not my ways. Isaiah 43, verse 2, he says, when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. When you go through the rivers, I will be with you. When you walk through the fires, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. He says that he will be in it through the thick and through the thin. And at the last days, as we live day to day, we want to have the character of Christ. We want to live according to to the measure of that expression. Psalm 27 verse 10. Even though my father and mother forsake me. Yet the Lord would never forsake me. Proverbs 2.17. Who forsakes the husband and guide of her youth. But a wayward woman who forgets the covenant of her God. And so all these expressions of ungodliness. Are going to be pervasive through to the last days. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another, seeing how we might stir up love and good works. Let's see what your brother needs and not what you need. Let's see how you can lay down your life for another. In the last days, people are not going to be stirring up love. They're going to be, their, their, their love waxes cold because of lawlessness. Verse 25, not neglecting the gathering together of yourselves, together as the manner of some, but instead exhorting one another, even as you see the day of the Lord approaching. In these last days, we're going to be more like Jesus or more like Satan. And I want to declare something over this house, that the transformation that we want in our house is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Our eyes are upon Jesus. We are looking at him as through a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into his image from glory to glory through the spirit of the Lord. It's the spirit of God that makes you more like Jesus. It's the word of God that instructs you how to become more like Jesus. It's spirituality 
that allows you not to be like the men in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. But know this, that in the last days it will be perilous times because men will be lovers of themselves. They will pursue gain of money. They will be boaster, proud, blasphemous, disobeying to their parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3, they will walk in a character that's contrary to Christ because they have no love. They do not walk in forgiveness. They talk slanderously. They defame. They have no self-control. They're brutal. That means they've lost natural affection. They're despisers of good. Verse 4. They're traitors. They're treasonous. They're headstrong. That means that, that they're not, you can't speak to them. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And the Bible says, from such people, turn away. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that we are going to stay the course day through day until the last day. Being faithful to that which we have been taught. Passing it down to our children so that they might have your victories. So that they might have your triumph. So that they might experience your peace, your joy, your righteousness. We pray for mercy upon these times on those, Lord, who are just prey and fallen in the snare of the evil one. Who walk in a manner that's not consistent with what they have been taught and what they have been handed to keep as precious treasure. We pray, Father God, that in the coming days, we will see your glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Father, I want to rebuke in Jesus' name all the perverted men, all the twisted men, all the men and women who have kept their children from their families. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, love you in the Lord, and make sure that you stay the course and stay steadfast in these coming days.